Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor John speaks from the subject of Power Source. This is part two of the series entitled PowerPoints. And now here is Pastor John with today's message. Turn to the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 15. The Gospel of John 15. We're just going to read one verse together to begin with, and then we'll be in lots of other places as we go. The Gospel of John, the 15th chapter and the 5th verse. These are the words of Jesus. He said, yes, I am the vine. He said yes because he's already said it once. He's repeating himself for emphasis. I am the vine. You are the branches. He's talking to the disciples. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's just one verse. It bears repeating. I am the vine. You are the branches, Jesus said. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit because healthy things grow and produce. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Lord, would you, would you add your illumination and revelation to the reading and the hearing, and the preaching of your word today? Lord, would you, would you show us who you are? Would you show us who you want to be in our lives? And God, would you give us the courage and the strength today to surrender to your will and to your word and to your work for your honor and for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Did you know that this is a supernatural book here? This Bible is a supernatural book. Did you know that we serve a supernatural God, that Jesus wasn't just a wise teacher, that he didn't just have important things to say, that he did supernatural work here on the earth. And if we're going to please him and we're going to do what he's called us to do, we are going to have to believe in the supernatural again. The American church has done its best, it seems, to, to divorce the supernatural from the equation. Just remove it. Just don't talk about it. It freaks people out. It's hard to prove, hard to quantify. So we've done our best just to take it completely out of the equation, and, and the results are obvious. The, the church has no power and, and, and very little impact on our communities and the people that live around us. We, we are not on the mission that Jesus gave us. A few weeks ago, these chapters in, in the Gospel of John, chapters 14 through 17, they caught my attention. They, they, they caught my attention because they contain the last 
conversation that Jesus had with his disciples before he was arrested and crucified. They were literally walking to the Garden of Eden, God keeps saying Garden of Eden, the Garden of Gethsemane after the Last Supper and while Jesus was talking to them. So I knew that what he would say would be particularly important. When you know you only have hours left to live, it tends to to separate the fluff and you get down to the important stuff. And as I read these things over and over again, it, it became clear that Jesus was trying to accomplish a couple of things. One, he was preparing them for his death, which was at that point only hours away. And, and secondly, he was talking to them about the spiritual power that they were going to need to carry on his work. And that's why this is called power. This series is called Power Points. He told them, you're, you're going to bear much spiritual fruit. He said, you're going to have power in prayer, power and influence in prayer. You're going to do greater works than I have done. And all of these things are about spiritual power. Now, the whole conversation, the focal point of the whole conversation comes into, into focus in chapter 15. They're, they're likely walking past some vineyards as they leave the room where they had the Last Supper and they grow into the garden. Most likely, they, they are passing some vineyards and Jesus looks to them always, always ready with a good object lesson. He looks to them and says, I'm the true vine. I'm the true vine. Y'all are the branches. And he tells them the key to producing much fruit is to stay connected to him. He said, without me, you can't do anything. But if you stay connected to me, if you remain in me, then you'll have all the spiritual power that you're going to need to do what I'm calling you to do. So in a sense, he was telling them their, the, the source of their spiritual power was to stay connected to him. But don't forget how ironic that is, because the other point of this conversation is that, oh, and by the way, I'm leaving the earth. Do you understand how frustrating that must be for the disciples? Hey, stay connected to me, but yeah, like in 12 hours, I'll be gone. So, so what, what do you do? They'd been with him for three and a half years while he was on the earth. Now he was going to be arrested and tried and crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, and then ascended back to the Father. So how would they be able to maintain that connection? How would they be able to remain in him? How would they be able to have the spiritual power that they would need? What would be the power source? And that's the name of this message today, power source. If, if we are called to walk in spiritual power, and we are, then what's the source of that power? Well, fortunately, Jesus made that very, very clear in these four chapters. As a matter of fact, four different times he made this clear. We're going to read it first in John 14, 16 through 17. He said this, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. And he used a very specific word here, and we'll talk about that more next week. But he said, I'll give you another advocate who will never leave you never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because it's not looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you and later will be in you. Now notice how he put this to the disciples. It's, it's very specific. He said, I'm going to send you another one. In other words, a, someone who's just like me. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one, just like God the Father, God the Son are one. 
And he said, he will never leave you. Remember, he's trying to prepare them for for understanding that he's leaving. But he's saying, listen, the one I'm going to send in in my place is never going to leave you. And then he said, this other person who is just like Jesus will not only be with you in the way that I've been with you, he's going to be in you, in you. The Holy Spirit is the power source. And again, in these four chapters, Jesus told them four times about the coming and the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you were here last week, you might be thinking, but I thought you said the keys to spiritual power were believing and loving and obeying. And they are. That's how you remain. That's how you stay connected to Jesus as the true vine. But I want you to see something. Let me me read that 17th verse again in John 14 and, and show you the emphasis here. He's the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. What are we supposed to be rooted and grounded in? In what we believe. And that is the Word of God. That's the truth. And the Holy Spirit leads us there. The Holy Spirit is the power to believe. Look at Romans chapter 5. And verse 5, and this, this hope will not lead to disappointment, for he knows how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to do what? To fill our hearts with his love. The Holy Spirit is the power to love. Then look at, at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus said, but you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, which is what he told us to do, telling people uh, about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit is our power to obey. He said, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to have the power to obey. So you see how all this fits together? Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one. So if if, if believing and loving and obeying is important to Jesus, it's important to the Holy Spirit. And he even helps us continue to believe and continue to love and continue to obey. So the Holy Spirit is our source of power in a lot of different ways. And we're going to talk about four of those ways in just a second. But I want to highlight something first. Maybe the most important power of the Spirit, the the most important power that the Spirit gives us is the power to abide, the power to remain to stay connected to Jesus. Listen, not just to do the work, but to be one with Him, to be one with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. In the the same way that He prayed in chapter 17, He prayed that that would happen, that we would all be one. All, all, All the time, not just when we're doing work for Him, but all the time. See, even in the Old Testament, the Spirit would come upon people to anoint them to do a particular work, but it wasn't an abiding presence. He didn't abide with them. Now every believer has the Holy Spirit in them, but many of us still are not abiding in Jesus. We keep him relegated to serving or we keep him relegated to working for the Lord, but he wants to empower us to abide, to live, to move, to have our being, to be in connection, to remain with him all the time. I remember Pastor Robert Morris telling a story uh, about the, the time that was early in his ministry. He was from a background, from a, from a denomination that didn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, only the work of the Spirit for the ministry. And he would preach, and he'd preach with authority and with revelation and, and would work in the altars, but he was a jerk at home. 
from his own, his, his own confession. He was a jerk at home. And, and one day his wife, and you know, sometimes your wife just has enough. Guys, can you say amen safely? Sometimes they just have enough. And she said, I wish I was married to the man you are in the pulpit. <laughs> and it hit him like a ton of bricks, as it should. And he recognized he didn't just need to be filled with the Spirit to serve. He needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit all the time. So as, as we unpack, continue to unpack this, these PowerPoints in these four chapters, don't dismiss the message. And especially today, don't dismiss this message today because you don't ever plan to be in ministry. The source of power that we're talking about is not for the super-Christian. It's not for the hyper-spiritual. It's not for the vocational minister. It's for everybody. It's for every believer. So if you consider yourself a believer, a follower of Jesus, then you need to listen and put into practice the things that Jesus is telling us today. That's why you don't hear stories of Jesus who is one way when he was ministering and then another way after the spotlight's gone. He's the same all the time. All the time. Because he was walking in the Spirit all the time. I want to show you a few, uh, a few passages because a lot of times we don't think of Jesus in this, in this way. But I want to show you in Luke chapter 3, Luke 3, 21 and 22, one day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized in water. And as he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you're my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Did you see the connection between the Holy Spirit and Jesus while he was here on the earth? And then the very next chapter, in in chapter 4 and verse 1, this is what it says, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, so where he was baptized, returned from the Jordan, he was led by the Spirit in, not just into, but in the wilderness. And then in verse 14, it says this, after he was tempted by the devil, then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power, and reports about him spread quickly throughout the whole region. And then in verses 18 and 19, he said this over, this is, this is a really famous thing, and actually the, in September, we're going to do a series and we're really going to look at this passage of scripture right here. But Jesus stood in his hometown synagogue and he, and he read from Isaiah and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Did Jesus lie? Was he a liar? Y'all lost that in my accent, didn't you? Was Jesus a liar? Okay, there you go. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said, because he's anointed me, and he lists all the things that he was anointed to do. Jesus was connected to the same power source that he's giving to us, the Holy Spirit. And if we ever hope to do the works of Jesus, as he said, if we ever hope to make disciples of Jesus, as he commanded, then we'd better operate in the same power as Jesus did, and that's the Holy Spirit. So how did he say the Holy Spirit was going to empower us in, on this earth? So the first thing is he would give us power, the power of truth, the power of truth. Uh, and, and we already read from John 14 where he said he's going to lead you, and the Holy Spirit's going to lead you and guide you into all truth, right? He says it again in verse 26. Look, look at what he said. But when the Father sends the advocate, the Holy Spirit, as my representative, and then he clarifies, that's the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you 
of everything I've told you. Can you imagine living with Jesus for three and a half years and like everything that rolls out his mouth? You're like, oh, that's good. Oh, that's, if, if, if we had cell phones and they'd just tweet their little fingers off, like everything that comes out his mouth for three and a half years. How do you keep up with all that? Well, your brain's just full after a little while. Some of us shorter than others, but your brain's full. He said the Holy Spirit's going to remind you of everything I've said. It's the, it's the power of truth. The Holy Spirit gives us power by reminding us of what Jesus said, by teaching us what it means, and leading us into the truth. When we have the Holy Spirit, when we walk in the Holy Spirit, we have access to the infinite knowledge of God. So no, no matter what situation that we might face while we're trying to carry out the will and the work of Christ on this earth, the Holy Spirit will give us the knowledge that we need to figure out the next move or the solution to the problem. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit, and, and there's a gift called the gift of knowledge, and there's a gift called the gift of wisdom. And it, those are two of the ways that, that the truth of God gets communicated to us to help us advance the work and the cause of Christ. And listen, it happens for us in our families as well. No matter what situation we face, it's not just in the church. This is an everyday living kind of situation. We also have to have a clear understanding of the Word if we're going to accomplish the works of Christ. We can never carry out the works of Jesus if we don't have a clear and strong understanding of the Word of God because Jesus was the Word. So when you're, when you're reading and when we're reading and we don't understand something, we can ask the Spirit to give us the understanding. Or when we're ministering to someone, or we're praying about something, the Spirit can bring to our memories uh, the, the, the Word of God about a situation, or, uh, or the Word of God that applies to the person that we're trying to minister to. He can even lead you to the truth about a person that you would have otherwise no way to know. If that's ever happened to you, that, that's, a, that's a pretty powerful moment when, when you're ministering to somebody, you say something that you didn't know, had no way of knowing, and they know you didn't know. And they recognize that God is doing something in their midst. It happened to Jesus all the time. And particularly, look at John chapter 4, the woman at the well. Jesus, Jesus totally set her up. He said, go get your husband. And she said, oh, I don't have a husband, leaving out most of the rest of the story. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and you're not married to the man you're living with right now. <laughs> and, and then she said, uh, sir, you must be a prophet. <laughs> you think? <laughs> Some, something just happened. Something supernatural just happened. The Holy Spirit can give us that gift or that, or that word of knowledge, that gift of prophecy to open up opportunities for ministry just like Jesus did. And because of that conversation that he had with that woman, the whole city of Samaria came out. And, and, and they were eventually won, many of them won and saved because of that. That's the works of Jesus, and it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. So he gives us the power of truth. Here's the second thing, the power of identity. The power of identity. And I want to read you this verse in, in uh, John 15, verse 26. Uh, again, Jesus, this is the third time I think, Jesus said, I'll send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. 
You say, well, John, that says, that says he gives the power of truth. Isn't that connected to the other point? Well, it is, but this is in a little different way. This is not going to make sense unless we kind of back up and take a running start so you can hear the context of the conversation. So Jesus, again, is having this conversation with the disciples, and he says this starting in verse 18. If the world hates you, remember it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you're no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than his master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they're going to persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They'll do all of this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. They would not be guilty if I hadn't come and spoken to them, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them uh, that no one else could do, they wouldn't be guilty. But as it is, they've seen everything I did, and yet they still hate me and my father. Now, here's the verse we just read. Or, I'm sorry, the, the, uh, the next verse is, This fulfills what it's written in the Scriptures. They hated me without, the cause, without a cause. And now he says what we just read, But I'll send the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth, and he'll come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. Because of the hate in the world for God and the things of God, because they will malign his character and deny his power and defy his authority, God gives us his spirit to testify about who God really is. That's exactly what happened in Luke 4 when Jesus was tempted by Satan. Do you remember what Satan kept saying? If you are the Son of God. It was a question of identity of the Son of God. But, but do you remember the Spirit was with him, led him, even while he was in the wilderness, and the angels came and ministered to him and encouraged him. And so that shows us that the Holy Spirit will remind us of the truth about who we serve and about who we belong to. And, and, because, we're, and because we're now in God and God is in us, the Spirit will remind us of who we are too. The importance of having a proper identity in Christ can't be overstated. You have to know who you are and whose you are. And if we're going to do what he's called us to do, we're going to have to know our identity. So what does the Word says say? The Word says we're a royal priesthood, right? We're a holy nation. We are God's own possession. We are the apple of his eye, that we are a masterpiece, that we've been recreated in Christ Jesus to do good works. He says we are the children of God, that we are the heirs of God, that we're joint heirs with Jesus, that we are redeemed and loved and transformed, that we are victorious and triumphant, that we are loved and valued, that we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That's our identity. That's who we are. That's who we are. But listen, the world's not going to tell us that. They hate us. They hate us. But he's given us his spirit to testify about who God is and who we are in relationship to him. So the world may not admit it, and they may not recognize exactly what's going on, but they sure recognize when something's different. They sure recognize something's different about us. Look at Acts 4 and 13. 
This is one of my, I love this little hidden thing in here. The members of the, of the Jewish council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They, they could see they were no, that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. And I understand what they meant. They, they meant their association, their affiliation with him as, as his disciples. But when, when people see the power of truth that the Spirit gives us, when they see the character and the nature of Jesus being developed in us, they will identify us as having been with Jesus. God give us a church full of people about whom the world will look at and say, these people have been with Jesus. The Holy Spirit gives us our identity, our identity. Here's the third thing. He gives the power of conviction. So he gives us the power of truth, and he gives us the power of identity. This is the power of conviction. I want to show it to you in, in John 16, 7 through 11. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And if I do go away, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin, because it refuses to believe in me, of righteousness uh, that's available because I go to the Father and you'll see me no more, and judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. Remember, the main work of Christ was not miracles, signs, and wonders. It was the proclamation of the gospel. All these other things that he did pointed people to his ability to forgive their sins and save their souls. It's what he gave us as our mission to go and make disciples. So when we have the Spirit, he goes in front of us and prepares hearts and opens eyes to the truth about who Jesus is. Without the work of the Holy Spirit drawing people, nobody would ever believe and be saved. He convicts, he convinces. He judges. We are simply the willing vessels for him to work through because God chose the weak things of this world to confound the wise and to declare his strength. He put all of this incredible truth and all of this incredible power inside of these fragile clay jars, Paul said in Corinthians. And we get to represent God's work and kingdom on this earth. And it's possible only because of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is what it looks like this, in the Word. This is the first message that Peter preached after he was filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 41, Peter's words pierced their heart. He preached, but his words pierced their heart. And they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And then verse 41, he tells them, those, or you see the results, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. When the Holy Spirit goes with you, He does what only He can do. And He draws people to God for salvation or for healing or for deliverance or for whatever kingdom purpose He might have in mind. But it's His power of conviction that makes it work. And then here's the last thing that, that Jesus says the Holy Spirit will give us the power to do, and, and that's in John 16, the power of direction. The power of direction. John 16, 13 through 15, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. 
He will not speak on his, own, on his own, but he'll tell you what he's heard. He will tell you about the future. He'll bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine, and this is why I said the Holy Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. The Holy Spirit communicates the will of God to us so we can carry it out. Maybe the most frequently asked question in the 27 years that I've been in ministry that I've heard from people is, how do I know the will of God? How do I know the will of God for my life? When we need to know what God wants us to do and when he wants us to do it and how he wants it done, that comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from the Spirit. Otherwise, we're just trying to navigate blindly in a dark world. For instance, how do we decide between two good things, between two good choices, two good directions. The hardest decisions are not the ones that you have to choose between good and evil. It's when you have to choose between two apparently good options. If we'll listen, he will prevent us from wasting time on wrong directions and wrong things, and we can maximize our efforts on the right things. It's the power of direction that the Holy Spirit gives us. He opens doors and closes doors. He will help us see ministry opportunities that are right in front of us that other people can't or haven't seen. But we have to follow him and we have to listen to him. Let me show you two examples in the word. Acts chapter 10, verses 19 through 20. Meanwhile, Peter was puzzling over the vision that he just received. And the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry because I've sent them. And then Peter listened to the Holy Spirit, went and preached the gospel to the Gentiles for the first time, and it wouldn't have happened if he hadn't heard what the Holy Spirit said. Power of direction. Look at Acts chapter 16. This happens for the Apostle Paul as well. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the, the area of Phrygia and, and Galatia because the Holy Spirit, look at this, had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. The Lord opens doors and he closes doors. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia, but again the Spirit of Jesus didn't allow them to go there. So instead they went through Mysia to the, to the seaport of Troas, and that night Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once. Look at this. Having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. When you learn to listen to the Spirit, this is what's called the Macedonian call. When you learn to listen to the Spirit, you wind up in exactly the right place at exactly the right time. And you can discern what God's telling you to do. That's the power of direction that the Holy Spirit gives us. And, and that's why Jesus wanted us to have the Spirit as our source of power. He keeps us connected to Jesus, remaining in Jesus through belief and love and obedience. He gives us the power that we need in all of these different ways to continue to carry out the works that Jesus did. So let's go back to our original dilemma, really the whole, the whole uh, driving factor of this series. Why is it that we don't see that kind of power in the modern American church? We see talent, we see planning, 
We see excellence. We see charisma and charm. We see personality and persuasion. But we don't very often see true life-changing spiritual power, at least not in the way that it seems Jesus had in mind for us. So what's going on? What's going on? If all of us have the Spirit as our, our power source, why aren't we seeing the works of Jesus? I'm convinced that the American church is not seeing the works of Jesus because we're not following the instructions of Jesus on being connected to the power source. Can we just break it down in Harrelson County? We ain't plugged in. We're not plugged in. And don't confuse church growth with the works of Jesus. That's not necessarily the same thing. Too many American churches have made church growth the focus. That's not the biblical way. We're called to preach the gospel of Jesus, to make disciples of Jesus, to do the works of Jesus, and to give all the glory to Jesus. Those who are attracted to Jesus and by Jesus will come. If you start trying to draw a crowd some other way, then you've gotten it backwards. And just because you can draw a crowd doesn't mean that you're doing what God called you to do. There are a lot of different definitions of success. He called us to do His works. And He gave us His Spirit as our power source, but too many of us are not plugged in. We're not connected. We haven't gotten connected in a personal way with the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, John the Baptist and Jesus called it being baptized in his Holy Spirit. And for the most part, the American church has abandoned this teaching. But it is absolutely necessary if we're going to have any spiritual power in our churches and in our lives. Here's the problem. We've lost the solid biblical middle ground on this issue. People have either been taught it as unnecessary or as unbiblical, some even as evil. And others have seen it abused through excesses and through emotionalism and through things that it was not intended to do. Neither of those extremes is appropriate. I preached a message in June called, I think it was the, the Sunday before Father's Day, it was called Pentecostal Questions. And I went into detail about the, the doctrine and the scriptures that relate to this doctrine uh, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I would, if you have questions about it, I would recommend that you go to our YouTube channel or go to our podcast and listen to that message. And it, it'll take you verse by verse and show you this doctrine in the Bible. But here's what I want you to understand today. I want you to set aside what you, what you think you know about the Holy Spirit, and let's just look at what Jesus said in these four chapters. You cannot please God or follow Jesus and ignore the Holy Spirit. You just can't. I've shown you enough scripture today for you to see that. They're all one. You can't please one and hate the other or ignore the other. So I want you to approach the Holy Spirit today in two ways. One with sensitivity and with surrender. Sensitivity and surrender. Set everything else aside and think about this. You have to learn to hear the Spirit when He speaks to you. You have to be sensitive to His voice and to His nudgings. You have to learn to depend upon Him in whatever work you do as He works in you and through you. 
you have to begin to surrender your will to his submit yourself to the point that he's the one in charge that you don't make decisions without clearing it through the holy spirit you just you just you say well john i'm not sure how to do that it's just like john the baptist said lord less of me and more of you less of me more of you you say god i want to serve you Lord, I want to please you. I want to carry out the works that you commanded us to be to, to, to do. I, I want to be the light that you've called us to. I want to, I want to go and make disciples, not just as a church, but as a person. I want to walk in the power that you've provided. That's what you do. That's how you start that conversation. And then you just listen. You be sensitive to what he says. And listen. Stop thinking of it as an event. Stop thinking of it as something you check off your, your spiritual bucket list. This, this is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit is not event-driven. It's a relationship. This, this is the beginning of a surrendered, sold-out journey with Jesus. But it has to start somewhere. You need His power. You need his power. So pursue Jesus and praise Jesus and be open to receive the gift of Jesus. It was sought out by the 120. It was imparted by Peter and John. It was assumed to be for everyone by Paul. It's not just for spiritual superstars. It's for everyone who expects to follow Jesus completely and radically in their lives. Now listen, next week we're going to talk about the ways that we use the power that he's given us to accomplish his will and his work in a message called Power Lines, transmitting that spiritual power. But today it's about sensitivity and surrender. Jesus expected us to be a church of power, and that means we have to be a people of power. This church, collectively, will never exceed the spiritual thirst and effectiveness and capacity of the individuals who make it up. Listen, what we're talking about is not weird. It's not strange. It's the way you connect to Jesus and carry out his work on this earth. So here's my question for you today. Will you decide to get connected or in some cases reconnected to the power source today. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.